Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Good morning, North Sound. Great to see you all this morning. So glad that you chose to uh, worship with us today. Um, We are delighted that you are here and our friends who are watching online, thank you for joining us as well. Hopefully you're not switching stations between the Seahawks game and church. Uh, Be sure your sins will find you out, uh, but welcome, uh, welcome all of you. Uh, This has been uh, an interesting week sports-wise. Unfortunately, our Huskies went down yesterday. They didn't quite come back, and I asked John Taylor about the Cougs because he wasn't wearing Coug colors this morning, and apparently there was a reason for that, that they didn't do too well yesterday as well. it was funny, yesterday during the baseball game, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not a baseball fan. Okay, don't throw things, but um, just not a baseball fan. And, uh, but as the season drew to a close, it was like, hey, this is really cool. After 21 years, the Mariners may actually be in the playoffs. And then yesterday, uh, with a second game in the series with Toronto, I was working in the study, and uh, Barb and Scotty were out watching the game, and something sort of popped up on my screen, and uh, it was like, oh, man, the Mariners don't have a chance, right? And, uh, and, then, and then about the eighth inning, something happened. So I went out and said to them, um, could you call me when you get to the eighth inning? Because they were reading it, they were watching it recorded. And so uh, I came out and, uh, and watched, and it was like, wow, what a what an amazing finish. So uh, that, was, that was fun. You may make a baseball fan out of me yet. So good to have Will and Rebecca here this morning. You two, can you stand or wave or something? Yeah. So, um, Will, I, can't, I cannot disappoint you. Uh, Will says every time that he and Rebecca come to visit, I have to tell my Will story. And I love my Will story. Uh, but Will and Rebecca uh, were a part of North Sound Church prior to moving to Tennessee. Uh, they moved prior to COVID. Um, and uh, although you probably don't swing too far to the left uh, there in Tennessee, Will, uh, your move was prior to the, the, the reshaping of people from blue states to, uh, to red states. Will told me this morning, he, when I said, hey, it's so good to see you, he said, in Tennessee, we say it's better to be seen than viewed. <laughs> uh, think about that one a little bit, yeah. So, so anyway, my Will story is that um, when we started North Sound Church, Casey, you would appreciate this. He was our worship director, and, uh, and Will had, was that a look of disbelief on your face, Casey? no. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. So anyway, Will, Will had 10 songs um, that he knew on his guitar, and, um, and my, my boys used to guess which of the 10 we were going to get that evening. <laughs> uh, it, that was so, those days were so much fun, Will, and uh, we, uh, we have such great memories of that. Well, today we're going to continue in our series, but I want to mention that um, I heard from Barb that some people talked to her and said that um, they heard the word change last Sunday, and that makes everybody scared, right, to hear the word change. So um, we are encouraging you to join us in prayer the last week of this month, the 23rd through uh, the 29th, uh, and and he'd be joining you in fasting and prayer. And then on the 29th, we have a, a staff and elder gathering. Uh, we want to encourage 
to, to join us in prayer uh, relative to the future of the church. And I, I really believe it's all good. So I don't feel like there's anything that, you, if you hear the C word, you know, the change word that you need to worry about, um, it's, I think it's good news. We're still in the process of that news. So it's not like we're going to, uh, to sort of lay down things. We're going to uh, work together. And then next month, we're planning a congregational meeting after the service, uh, after the second service, uh, I think mid-November sometime, uh, to just give, give a chance for conversation and interaction. So again, don't don't, don't worry about this. I think it's a, it's a good season. It's a great season. And one of the things that we've wanted is just kind of take the pulse of the congregation post-COVID. COVID has seen just tremendous changes for us as a congregation. And uh, we just want to pause now that we're beginning to see what the new reality is and talk about what, that, uh, what our future looks like. So hopefully you will enjoy that. Um, Dave, do we have a new billing baby? Not yet? Oh, okay. <laughs> I noticed Nate and Laura aren't here. They have those two cute little blonde girls, and uh, this is Grandpa David, and I know she, she's due almost any time, isn't she? Uh, the end of the month. Oh, okay. Oh, that far along. Okay. So anyway, we are going to now spend some time in God's Word in the second of our series, looking at life together. And uh, I invite you to uh, get your Bibles ready and to be able to follow along with me. We're looking at the values that mark uh, North Sound Church, even as we talk about the future of our church. I think, by the way, next week, either next week or the week after, but probably next week, we'll do a little more introduction of some of the things that we're thinking about for the future uh, and, uh, and give you a chance to begin to pray more intentionally around that. So we adopted the tagline for the church, Navigating Life Together. And Will will remember that Brad Voorhees actually came up with uh, this. Brad was a, Diane were a part of the congregation early on. And I thought it was brilliant because it described the nature of our church. That is that we are doing life together. We're journeying through life together, but we're navigating it together. And we're going to unpack a little more of what that means today as we talk about guidance for our life together. Errors in navigation can be very costly. On February 9th, 2001, about nine nautical miles off of uh, the island of Oahu, the USS Greenville, uh, Los Angeles-class submarine, uh, did a, a blow of their tanks uh, and came to the surface in the way that you see an orca come to the surface. There was a story behind this. They had a VIP cruise going on. The control room was full of people. They were running a little behind, and Commander Scott Waddle, who was the captain of the vessel, uh, didn't do all of the checks that needed to be done. And as they came out of the water, they hit a ship that was the Ahimi Maru from Ahimi Prefecture. And it was a ship that was populated by high school students from Ahimi Prefecture uh, who were uh, marine students. And, uh, and as a result of the crash, the boat sank within about 10 minutes. And unfortunately, some uh, nine people were killed of the 35 people on board, four high school students, two teachers, and three crew members from the Ahimi Maru. The terrible accident 
that saw the loss of life also saw the end of the career of an individual who up to that time had been an outstanding naval officer, Commander Scott Waddell. And so as we talk about navigating life together, what keeps us from making errors in navigation? Well, we have a partial answer at least in a story in the New Testament that follows Acts chapter 6 where the first deacons were chosen. In Acts chapter 6, you may recall that um, deacons were chosen and uh, we don't have the word diakonos, the, the, uh, the, the description of them that was a noun, but we have diakonia that described the nature of their service. But what's fascinating is that very quickly after they were appointed to serve, they were to be servants in the church and uh, to allow the apostles to do the the ministry of the word, very quickly afterwards, we have a big change. We have Stephen being martyred in Acts chapter 7. He was one of the early deacons. And then we have Philip now being inspired by the Holy Spirit to go down and to find the, <clears throat> the leader uh, in the uh, governor, government of Candace uh, and, uh, and to share the good news with him as an evangelist. So we read about this in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse uh, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture from Isaiah that said, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So just as a chart guides a mariner or in the old days a map would guide us, now we have GPS, so the scripture is our guide to life. For Philip coming across the Ethiopian government official, he was looking for guidance in his life, and what he was able to do was to open up the scriptures to him. And he had, in those days, the Hebrew scriptures, and he was reading from Isaiah and was talking about, uh, talking about Jesus, the coming of Jesus. Now, as followers of Jesus, we also have the benefit of uh, the New Testament to guide us in our navigating of life. And so we see that the Bible tells us the story of God or his story. I like thinking of history as his story, the story of God. And so we have here the story of God, and it's important for us, but the key thing for us today is to find the intersection of God's story, his story, and our story. 
because it doesn't do us a whole lot of good if we don't understand how his story impacts our lives. And so how does the Bible help us navigate life together? Well, one of the best passages that describes this is in the letter of Paul to Timothy where he says this in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I like the way the message translate this passage. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. So we're gonna take some time this morning and unpack this passage in understanding the role that Scripture provides us for guidance for navigating life individually and collectively. So the first thing I want to suggest to us is that the Bible is inspired. Why should we follow the Scripture as our guide to navigating life? Well, it's because we believe that it's inspired. Now, when you think about a map or a chart, if you're a mariner, when you think about those things, and I ask you, what's the first thing you want to know? If I were to actually ask that question, not rhetorically, I have a feeling most of you would say, you want to know where you are on the chart. You want to know where you are on the map. You want to know where you are to begin on the GPS. But the fact of the matter is, before that, what you want to know is whether or not the chart, the map, the GPS is reliable. I know in aircraft, every month, there is an upgrade into the GPS to make sure that the information that comes in is completely accurate. And you're not to fly, you're not to use that navigation instrument if you don't have the latest chart. Same thing with printed aviation charts, sectional charts. If you don't have the latest one, you're in violation because the latest one has all of the information that is necessary. So you need reliability. Reliability is critical before you start talking about even where you are on the chart. Paul tells us that the guidebook for our lives, the Bible, can be trusted because it's God-breathed. It's the inspired Word of God. So the medical folks in the congregation will know that inspiration is the description of taking in air. We, we inspire, we, we take in air, and that means a breath. And the picture that we have here of the Bible being inspired is that it's God-breathed, and it's God breathed through the authors that were anointed by him, that were inspired by him. So the different books we have in the Bible bear the marks of the human being that wrote them, but they also bear the marks of the Holy Spirit that inspired and empowered them. We believe creation gives us general revelation when we see the beauty around us, but we also see in the Bible an example of special revelation because we believe that God put it together to reveal truth to us. Now, here's the interesting thing. A while back, I had a conversation with a couple who were new to church, 
And, and they couldn't understand the church's position around a particular aspect of a, a thing that for them was just straightforward civil rights and social justice. And so I had a conversation with them about this, and what I was able to share with them is that for followers of Jesus Christ, we don't begin with our political ideology, whether that's left, right, or center, but what we do is we begin with the scriptures because we believe that if they are the inspired word of God, then they are God's authoritative word to us. And so when we want to know truth about our culture, about our lives, where do we go? We go to the scripture because we believe that's the starting place. And then from there, we can develop our political, our political or philosophical perspectives, but we need to start at the baseline with particular truth. God's revelation of truth is timeless. Second thing we find here in the passage is that the Bible teaches us. Paul tells Timothy that the Bible is useful to teach us. It shows us the truth. So, in order for a map to be helpful, we kind of need to know its orientation. And uh, I find, so I, thinking back on charts or maps, um, my mind still goes to north. So, so I need to know where north is in order to be able to understand the orientation. And you'll notice on your GPS, someone showed me between services that on the GPS, sometimes it doesn't always gravitate the map towards north. Sometimes it's a different orientation. Then I find that really difficult because my mind, maybe my age, is so oriented around opening the map and this is north. So it's important for us to understand what true north is. And indeed, that's the case with the scriptures. We realize in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have specific guidance from the word for our lives. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. So just as God's Spirit is necessary for the inspiration of Scripture, God's Spirit is necessary in our intersection with that word of the word of God to inspire us to understand what it is that the scripture is saying to us. The third thing I want to mention is that the Bible shows us how we have strayed and the way back. It says here the Bible is useful for rebuking. Most of us don't like the idea of being rebuked. The message says it's useful to expose our rebellion by being in close touch with the Scripture, we, we realize that the Scripture speaks into our lives, and the Scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit, convicts us when we get off track. When we're lost and we can't find where we are, we need to come back to the Scripture for truth. 
I was amazed in uh, reading about the iPhone 14 <clears throat> that it now has a function that if you're out in the middle of the Cascade Range, you have the ability to connect to a satellite in an emergency and send a text to indicate where you are and what your situation is with that, with that new phone. We need, when we find ourselves out of where God would have us to be, we need the guidance to bring us back in to find our way. There's a great story in the scripture of King Josiah. And uh, in the reign of King Josiah, there was a discovery that was made by Hilkiah the priest. He found a book in the temple. We read this story in 2 Kings 22. Then Shaphan, the royal secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. Shaphan proceeded to read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book, God's revelation, he ripped his robes in dismay. And then he called for Hilkiah the priest. Anakim, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the royal secretary, and Ahaziah, the king's personal aide, were also called. He ordered them all, go and pray to God for me and for this people, for all Judah. Find out what we must do in response to what is written in this book that has just been found. God's anger must be burning furiously against us. Our ancestors haven't obeyed a thing written in this book, followed none of the instructions directed to us. What Hilkiah found was either, <clears throat> excuse me, all of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, sometimes called the law, or they may have just found the book of Deuteronomy. But in any case, when the, the book was read, King Josiah realized how far they had wandered off the, the path. Uh, we say the magenta line that guides us. They had wandered so far off that path and missed God's intention for them as a people. And this is how strongly he responded. In verse uh, chapter 23, the king acted immediately, assembling all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. Then the king proceeded to the temple of God, bringing everyone in his train, priests and prophets and people, ranging from the famous to the unknown. Then he read out publicly everything written in the book of the covenant that was found in the temple of God. The king stood by the pillar and before God solemnly committed them all to the covenant to follow God, believing and obeying obediently to follow his instructions, heart and soul, on what to believe and to do and to put into practice the entire covenant, all that was written in the book. And the people stood in affirmation. Their commitment was unanimous. They read the scripture. They looked at their lives their community, their nation, and they said, we are so far apart. And then the king drew them back to what God's intention was for them. We need that in our lives, friends. We need the scripture in our lives to speak to us when we wander off track. And we need the scripture to remind us and to pull us back in. Sometimes ships need a mid-course correction. Sometimes we need a mid-life correction. The fourth thing I want to suggest is that the Bible helps us in our training. There's this um, misunderstanding I think we sometimes have as Christians, and that is that we're going to get better at dealing with sin in our lives if we simply try harder. Um, I don't know if you've tried that method with dieting. 
Um, I have, and it just doesn't work very well, trying, trying harder. Um, and uh, what I've found, too, is that there are situations in our lives where we just need more help. So I told you about laying down my motorcycle a couple months ago. So <clears throat> I've been in physical therapy for my shoulder, and they're exercising exercises that, that I may not necessarily use, but they're preparing the rotator cuff so that I can be able to do what I need to do eventually by doing the exercises now. And friends, that's what it's like as we approach spiritual practices in our lives. They may not appear to have immediate application, but we're building our spiritual muscles so that we will be able to do that thing that God has called us to do. When we consider the Bible's role in training us, it has a lot to do with the way we approach Scripture. So there are some great verses in Scripture that are, that are, that are very helpful to us. And uh, when we go to the Proverbs, there are individual statements precepts that are great. They're not, a, not bad to memorize them. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus also gives us these amazing precepts. But there's a lot more to Scripture than simply coming to terms with those precepts. And that is the beauty that the Scripture gives us in stories, in the wonder of stories. Back in the mid-90s when I worked at Whidbey Island Naval Air Station, um, I loved getting a magazine called Approach. Uh, Approach magazine was the magazine of the Naval Safety Institute, and um, they would have stories. The magazine was essentially full of stories, and the commentator <coughs> was a Grandpa Pettibone, and uh, he would comment on these stories, and basically the magazine, the Safety Institute magazine, was full of stories about pilots in the Navy that made really bad, stupid mistakes. And uh, I think their commanding officers sometimes forced them as a part of their discipline to write up the story in the Naval Safety Institute magazine. And I found them fascinating. But then, uh, when I recently became a pilot myself and I was telling Barb about um, some of the accidents in general aviation, she began to waver on whether she ever wanted to fly with me. <laughs> But the point is, is that by reading about other people's accidents, other people's mistakes, they help us to avoid those mistakes in our own lives. Far better to read about somebody doing something they shouldn't have done than to have to go through that experience yourself. And the scripture is so rich in these stories of other people's mistakes and sometimes other people's successes. But God teaches us through their experience to be able to live that out better in our own lives. In the Navy, we would refer to stories that salty old veterans would tell as sea stories. And the sea stories would help younger sailors to get a better understanding of what life was like in the Navy. And from the first time I put on a Navy uniform, I loved sea stories because they really helped me to understand what the big Navy life was like. They were a means of training and growth for me. I don't know uh, how many of you remember the movie Master and Commander with uh, Captain Aubrey Jack. And uh, in the movie... Uh, 
Master and Commander, there's a scene in the wardroom that I, I just love. It's a, it's a, it, it's a great scene. Um, one of the, this is not the scene I'm talking about, but some of you may remember it from this. Um, sitting around the table in the wardroom are the senior officers and uh, the junior officers, the midshipmen, the kids that are like in their late teens or early 20s and are learning to become Royal Naval officers. And uh, at one point, Jack Aubrey, the captain, gives a toast. And uh, he says, to wives and sweethearts, may they never meet. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's, a, that's a Navy joke. Um, so, but but what, he does, what he does that is so, uh, so amazing to me is he tells another story because the midshipmen were so interested in the fact that he had once sailed with Admiral Nelson and Admiral Nelson, Lord Nelson, is uh, the one who won the Battle of Trafalgar. And he is on his statue, if you visit London, is in Trafalgar Square on top of that very uh, long column. You see a column there of Admiral Nelson. And uh, so he was talking about the fact that Jack, the captain, had sailed with him. And he was asked about that in the, uh, in the wardroom. And they asked him about Lord Nelson, and he said, Lord Nelson, yes, I had the honor of serving under him at the Nile. In fact, I dined with him twice, and he spoke to me on both occasions. The first time he said to me, may I trouble you for the salt, sir? <laughs> the second time, someone had offered him a boat cloak on a cold night, and he said no. He was quite warm. His zeal for his king and country kept him warm. His zeal for his king and country kept him warm. Jack went on to say, it sounds absurd, I know, and were it another man, you would cry out, oh, what pitiful stuff, and dismiss it as mere enthusiasm. But with him, you felt your heart glow. With him, you felt your heart glow. Friends, like Good training manuals, the Bible does not just provide specific teaching that we need to learn to pass the course, but it includes many stories that illustrate the concept. And as we read about the failures and successes of those who have gone before, we are encouraged in our own training to live God's way. Finally, this morning, um, I want to close by the last point, which is that the goal of all of this is that we live the eternal kind of life right now. We don't, we don't wait to die, have a viewing will, and go to heaven. But in fact, God has destined us to live the eternal kind of life now. I like the way the message describes the end result of listening to scriptural guidance for our lives. It says, through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Just as a map or a GPS leads us to the destination, so the scripture leads us to the goal of spiritual maturity. And when we find the goal of spiritual maturity, we find that we're beginning to live in the present, the eternal kind of life that God has for us now. 
A number of years ago, I had the privilege of teaching at the Sino Bible Institute in Liberia, West Africa. And my colleague and I <clears throat> flew to Monrovia on British Airways and then got on a little helio courier. Some of you may be familiar. This uh, airplane was actually used by the CIA a lot in Vietnam. Helio Courier was a great jungle aircraft before some of the more recent models came out. And uh, I took this, this photo out the front windscreen of the, uh, of the Helio Courier. That's where we're landing, um, that little spot in the jungle. I didn't know it at the time that we were there, but there was already a civil war beginning in Liberia, and it raged for the next... Um, 10 years or so, it was very destructive for the people of Liberia. My dad was a pastor, and he was familiar with the gospel work in Liberia. <clears throat> the work there went back to the 1920s, and I can still remember him telling the story of a female missionary who served the Lord back in those very difficult days. And she had gone with some of her team to visit in a village, and in the village where she served, um, she has stayed a little late with her team, and now they were making their way back through the jungle path, and it was getting dark, and they were in trouble, because as it got dark, there were wild animals um, certainly surrounding them. They couldn't see them. They weren't aware. And there was a real danger because the path was so small of wandering off into the jungle and being lost. And as this missionary told my dad the story, she told about a, a glow after praying. They had obviously were praying about their way through the jungle. She saw a glow in the distance. And the head man that was leading them, the young man that was, was uh, taking them home, uh, followed to where that glow was in the distance. And he found it was a piece of wood that was glowing. It was sort of phosphorescent, we would say today. And so he took that piece of wood and he used it with enough light to guide them back to the mission station safely. And she gave my dad a little piece of that, a little piece of that wood that once it got to the mission station, it, it no longer glowed as a reminder of God's power and his work. God's story, the Bible, intersects with our story as his word becomes a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway as we navigate life together. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we say those words that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Lord, you have given us such a rich treasure that I pray for myself and for the North Sound family that you would help us to lean into this treasure that as we navigate life together, we know that we have a sure guide. We have an updated GPS. We know that it's reliable. We know where we are, and we know where you would have us to be. And so, Lord, may we lean into you, to the anointing and inspiration of your Holy Spirit in your powerful 
and truthful word to guide our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.